ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back. Yet another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my great co-host, Kyle Vardy. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just trying to show off the uh, the Brady shirt. This what? is the all, all sublimated Brady shirt. Yeah, no. Um, no, I'm doing good. Uh, golfing for the first time this year today, so I am excited. We're good. Eh, no, it'll be good. I'm excited for you because you're going to get a head start on me and I'm kind of pissed about that. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. Irfan couldn't join us today, but don't worry, folks. We found a more than capable replacement for the day. Haley McGoldrick is joining us once again. Haley, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you doing, Nick? Good, good. Happy to be talking sports every week like we always do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And since we have Haley here, where better to start in our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, than with the NC2A tournament. And of course, we got to talk the women's tournament because we did the men's recap with Bowen yesterday. It is available on YouTube. Make sure you check that out as well. But the women's tournament, it's been entertaining. And Haley, I'm going to let you start, but what has really stood out to you so far through two rounds? I think there's been a lot of close games and I think that's what is very entertaining and I think that's what people come to March for because I think like 90% of people who are watching basketball in March probably didn't watch anything before March, men's or women's. I feel like a lot of people will make a bracket and they're like, I have no idea what's going on. I didn't watch anything in the season. So like the women's games, even the ones I was watching, like the amount of buzzer beaters, like last second overtime, there was like three, two or three overtime games in one day. Like it's a really close games and these women are fighting super hard to continue going on, which I think is awesome. I'm sure like everyone saw that Jordan Nixon interview, that Texas A&M game, that was crazy. Like that was a really good finish. You're seeing a lot of like Oregon barely made it past Georgia, which was a really good game. Like, There's been a lot of really good basketball being played. Obviously, there's been some games like Missouri State just bouncing right state or like UConn literally beating Syracuse by almost 40. Like there's still games like that. But then there's other games that have been super close that have been really exciting to watch. Like even Louisville Northwestern was another game that was really close. Yeah, that was a good one. I think now this round, like you said before, Nick, that I think they seeded the women's tournament really well. Of course, there's been a few upsets in the first round, but for the most part, it was seeded really well. So a lot of the games coming up are going to be really, really good. Like I'm really excited for Oregon, Louisville. Obviously, UConn, Iowa is a game that everyone is waiting to watch. Kaylin Clark and Paige Beckers. Even Oregon, like Sedona Prince and Dana Evans, like are both, I think they're both seniors. I know Dana Evans is a senior. I'm not sure if Sedona is a senior or a junior, but still like, you know, these are 
the battle of like veterans versus the battle of freshmen like there's just a lot of good basketball still to be played so it's been really really entertaining thus far and like you said there have been a few upsets like we're saying arkansas is a team that i had going only <laughs> only into the only to this round <laughs> only to the sweet 16 but still like chelsea dungy is a really good player and i thought they would have gone a little bit further than that so like when they were upset i was like ooh. Um, of course it happens, but not as much as the men's game. That was insane. But for the most part, like, you know, like you said, it's been pretty smooth sailing. So I think this round is really where we're going to see like, okay, these are like the 16 best teams. Anything is possible. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it, there was only three upsets in the first round. We looking at the men's tournament. There was what, like 150. It felt like it felt like every game was an upset almost. Yeah, it's like they kind of knew what to expect from the women's tournament. They seeded everyone almost perfectly. Even in the second round, there was only a couple lower seeds that made it through. You got the Michigan, you got Oregon, both making it through. Uh, Iowa obviously is a number five, but they beat a number four. So that's uh, the term upset is kind of loosely used there, I guess. Um, Ironically, three out of the four number five seeds made it through to the round of 16. So, I mean, you know that those were close games. I kind of love what we've seen so far. I mean, as a, as a Michigan fan, it's nice to see them in the Sweet 16 because I don't think anyone really expected them to go this far. Um, and then you get to Paige Becker's, obviously, UConn team just running through their first two games. What are we expecting to see in this round of 16? Yeah, it's funny because I was discussing this with our good friend Daniel Rainbird yesterday and I was saying I think that game is definitely the one that like everyone is waiting to watch. But it's going to be interesting because as much as Paige Beckers is still putting up really good numbers as a freshman, she has a lot of really good help around her. Like Olivia Nelson Odota is doing amazing. Aaliyah Edwards, our Canadian girl, is playing amazing. Kristen Williams is playing amazing. Like she has the people around her. She only needs to drop 25 or 20 points per game because she knows her teammates are all going to do the same. Whereas Caitlin Clark, that Kentucky game, Iowa barely won it. And she dropped 35 points. Like if she doesn't drop 35, if you find a way to shut her down, which I feel like UConn has a better defensive system than Kentucky does. They are, they're easily going to shut her down. Like that's, and then if you don't have Caitlin Clark, who's going to pick up the slack because even so in the Texas game on, what was it? Thursday night, Wednesday night, Charlie Collier, who is a senior, she's been kind of leading Texas all season. They held her to five points and it's like, okay, what the hell do we do now? But then you had three other players in double digits to pick up the slack. And it's like, those are the teams that are going to make it far in the tournament because when you have a well-rounded bench and when you have a team that, you know, you everyone on the team can score, that's how you're going to win games. Whereas if they shut down Caitlin Clark, like, I don't know what they're going to do. So I feel like that, it's going to be a really interesting game because you're going to see just how UConn is going to try and shut down Caitlin Clark. And like I said, the Oregon Louisville game is going to be good because Louisville really struggled in their game against Northwestern. Like Northwestern held them to 10 first quarter points and Northwestern had like 25 and they were down by 15. And it was like, they literally rallied back to make it to overtime. And then in overtime, they slowly gained the lead, but you know, like you, you kind of can't have those games when you're playing tougher teams. Like Northwestern's still a good basketball team, but you could see them running out of gas. And at the end, their defense was super sloppy, and that's how they allowed Louisville to come back. Whereas a team like Oregon's not going to do that. A team like Oregon is really good defensively. They're not going to give you those opportunities even in double overtime. They're still going to play hard defense, full court press. Like 
you can't expect that same defense from Northwestern and Oregon. So I think it's going to be super interesting to see that as well. And obviously there's been a few days between games. So teams are watching each other's tape. It's going to be interesting to see all the players who are kind of at the forefront of the tournament and how they do in these rounds, because obviously, you know, if I'm Iowa's head coach, you know that Paige Beckers is the person you want to shut down. You're double teaming Paige Beckers if you can. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see who progresses from here, just because, like I said, now, like, you've got 16 really, really good teams. I don't think anyone out of the ordinary is really here. Like, there's not that Cinderella story team. Oh, really isn't. You know, there's no Oral Roberts in here. So <laughs> it's going to be super interesting to see who comes out of this round victorious. Right, considering that the lowest seed remaining is a six. Exactly. Right, exactly. And there's three of them. Which, yeah. which I don't get. The three no. seeds were not done very well, apparently, but didn't show up to play, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, I know you've watched a bit of the women's tournament, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've been flipping back and forth. Uh, what have your thoughts been or anything that stands out to you? Honestly, I, I've watched a lot of games and it ended up being the number one teams that were playing. And my God, there were some blowouts. Um, but honestly, as Haley said, it, it's the close games. Like we were talking about the Louisville game. They were down by 12 and a half, right? They probably were not deserving of that win based on their first half play, but they came back, stormed back, and, and it was great. You know, there was a couple other potential upsets, right? Texas A&M almost got upset too, and they came back, battled back to win. Um, it's it's honestly been, been great, and the biggest thing is the opportunity to actually watch it for me, right? TSN having a ton of coverage of the women's the women's games, and to me, that that's been huge. It's it's been it's been a great opportunity to actually watch the game. You know, flipping back between the men's and the women's the women's games, and they're both high quality games. So that to me, that's being the best part. And it's it's interesting. Like I, I will say this off the bat: I did not know a whole lot about college women's college basketball, mostly because I didn't know very much about men's college basketball as well. Just not my. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, you don't know much about men's at this point either. <laughs> just just college basketball, just not my thing. But honestly, you're a March Madness guy. That's all you're there for. I'm, I'm a March Madness guy. I will throw random picks in there. Be like, yeah, they're going to upset here and they're going to do this. No, no. But honestly, it's been, it's been interesting to watch. Like I've been stuck at home. So watching basketball all day is totally okay by my, my standards. So for sure. I agree with you. It's been, it's been really nice being able to watch these games because we, we haven't really had that opportunity in the past. And it's something I kind of want to get into because obviously the beginning of this tournament was sort of dealt with, a lot with the women's tournament because the amenities just weren't there. And Haley, we talked about it last week, but I wanted to get your opinion. Um, Prince from Oregon obviously was the one who, I guess she was the whistleblower, but at the same time, she was right. Like she showed the video, everything was not right. And you and me kind of talked about it throughout the week. What now that they've kind of rectified the situation to a degree, what are your thoughts on how it was all sort of handled from the beginning to now? Even now, like we had discussed, the NCAA really didn't do anything to fix it. A lot no. of external sources were the ones who came out and said, we'll help. And then the NCAA took the handout and said, all right, thanks. And then it kind of like hurt my heart in a sense to see like Sedona making a video being like, thank you, NCAA. Like, thank you so much. And it's like, they didn't do anything. They like, at the end of the day, like they still really don't care about the women's sport. And it all comes down to money, unfortunately, which sucks. But it's also, like I said, like if you don't have the resources and money in the first place to help you progress, how do you expect to make more money? And viewership is literally the highest it's ever been this year because of 
players like Prince. And there's a lot of other players who are on TikTok and using their platforms. And honestly, the power of TikTok is insane, truly. Like the, the way that that platform can make videos go viral, can like grow people's following. The amount of comments, like I'll go read the comments on Sedona's like things. And people are like, I literally don't care about basketball, but you make me want to watch it. And like viewership is insanely high this year because of players like that and I think that goes for a big thing about marketing in a sense which obviously this is not like a marketing podcast or anything like that but like player driven content is like really essential if you want to grow your platform or your team like if you're following the Oregon Ducks women's basketball account and they post a video, it might get, you know, a couple thousand views. Whereas if Sedona herself posts a video of Sedona, it's going to get millions of views because if people want to see Sedona, they're going to her account. So the fact that she used her voice and spoke up and other players too did. I know there was a girl from UCLA, I think, who did. There's a girl from the Baylor team I've seen. Like a lot of them are using their platforms, which is amazing. And I think that forces the NCAA to kind of do something, not that they really did much. But even on the men's side, you know, the men like tweeting about not being NCAA property and speaking out about injustices. Yeah. It's like, what are, what are you going to do when it comes from the horse's mouth, right? Like if, you know, like when EJ Liddell talked about those disgusting comments he got after Ohio State lost, like when he's tweeting those things, like people are going to take action versus, you know, if nobody says anything, how are things expected to change? And I think that's the difference between even 10 years ago, players didn't have that. So the inequalities players went through even 10 years ago is so different from now because they're not afraid to lose, use their voice. And what are you going to do? Like, it looks really bad on you if, you know, you say, oh, this weight room is like despicable and is not, how are 64 women's teams supposed to work out with one weight rack? And then hold on to, to call that a weight rack, by the way, is very, very generous. Yeah. That first, was first off to call that a weight room is very, <laughs> well, yes. Very we already generous. talked about that. We talked about that yeah. already. <laughs> Literally like my grandmother had a better weight set in her house to help. I her. have that weight rack actually. <laughs> yeah. Like ridiculous, but it also like, it looks really bad on you. If you're the NCAA and Sedona Prince post that and you take, administrative action or like try to punish her because then a she's going to continue to use her platform and speak out against it and then b people are going to be against the ncaa like you've even seen it now kind of with the ncaa and like the g league like a lot of people want to go to the g league because they want to make money because they know that they're not going to make money in the ncaa of course basketball is different than football because they only have to stay for one year but still like I think that it's really great that a lot of players aren't afraid to use their voice because I feel like for a long time they felt like oh, I'm going to lose my scholarship I'm going to lose my spot on the team blah, blah blah but you're even seeing coaches like the Georgia Tech coach she said like oh it's great that the three weeks a year that are the biggest three weeks for women's basketball show that women's basketball is just an afterthought to the NCAA and like it's true like the way that they handle women's sports especially basketball I'm sure like I don't know this for a fact but I'm sure basketball is their most generating revenue sport for women it's either basketball or hockey down in the states surprisingly hockey does a good job but like it's obviously for men it's football and then basketball whereas for women i think basketball is probably number one maybe hockey but even i I think you're i think you're right i think it is basketball for but for women and like obviously other women's sports like (laughs) gymnastics are kind of handled okay and stuff like that but just it was like first of all how do you expect these days literally 
people take pictures and videos of everything like literally sometimes i go outside i see things and i'm like should i be filming this like just because like that's the culture it's, we it's true in. it's sad but it's true <laughs> It's just, it's just the way we live and it's like yeah a lot of people like social media can be just an awful place sometimes with like trolls and rude people and people hiding behind their computers but in the same breath I think it's a really good tool and it's great for these athletes because they're kind of taking it into their own hands to stop being exploited and like treated like garbage so as much as I'm still really disappointed in the NCAA because I feel like they haven't done much in the situation they kind of just took credit for things that have happened and maybe they've been working behind the scenes like Sedona I watch like every day she posts videos of what they eat every day and like it seems like the women's tournament but it was only after the sweet 16 so they're basically like okay the first 32 or the first yeah the first two rounds like 61 to 32 like doesn't really matter about those teams because nobody really cares and nobody's gonna watch yet viewership is the highest it's ever been so it helps that the, as you said we've, we've talked about it, it helps that the games in Canada are on TSN because that's going to bring a lot of fans and I I, I think because a lot of people are trapped inside for the most part, especially in Canada, it's nice to have that. It's nice to have another sport that we can watch during the day. I know if given the choice, a lot of casual fans are still probably going to lean towards the men's tournament, but it is what it is. At least it's there. It's an option and people are watching. I've, I've talked to so many people who have turned the women's games on just because they're like, yeah, I want to watch sports and this is good basketball. Like exactly. They have to capitalize on that though. The, 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 NC2A needs to capitalize on that, on the revenue coming in and they need to capitalize on that viewership or else it's just going to fall back to where it was two, three, four years ago because they just aren't going to put any money into it because they don't think it's relevant, which is ridiculous. And I, I don't get it. Kyle, do you have any thoughts on that? I know we talked about it last week, but still. Um, what do you mean? Like with regards to budgets and stuff like that? I was talking more like the, how they can take the viewership to the next level and keep growing it as opposed to letting it fall back. Uh, well, honestly, this, we've, we've said this countless times before. Um, biggest way to, to grow women's sports in general is to put it on TV. Is to get it out there and have people actually watch the, the, the sport. Yeah. Right. Once they actually see it, biggest thing is, hey, this is actually good sports let's maybe i'll watch it again it's like they don't know that because a lot of the times right like right now you have to do either streaming sites or or different maybe youtube or whatever it may or it's be. just not posted anywhere or, or or that right it's one of those it's one of those if people don't have access to it they're not going to see it which means they're not going to continue to view it and, and like unless they really want to go out of their way and try and find it there and those people i don't think you have a I really have to worry about watching because they're going out of their way. To they were already doing it probably. <laughs> so, um, it, and to me, it's one of those, I think TSN is, is doing a great job with this and, and truly getting more exposure for them. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that this translates into something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know if it's going to be permanent of having them on TV in, in some sort of aspect, but I want it to be at least, taking a step for, forward and actually having it on TV regularly, not just every now and then, or just for March Madness. Yeah. So um, I would love to say it's going to be on anytime there's a game. That's... I don't know if I can say that right now because I, I mean, considering I know... the number of games in the NC2A, that would be very, very tough for one well, single network. To but, <laughs> but I also know how TV runs and like, that's one of those, like if, if it's not the top program, they're not going to play it. So right. And I think it should be a top program because it just, it deserves to be there. So it's, it's, 
I'm hoping to take a step forward and actually implement more games in the near future. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that. I think it would be very very entertaining to see. Um, Haley, we're gonna finish off something a little bit more positive on the women's side. You got your final four. We we've seen it already. Are you changing anything? Are you sticking with your final four? And are you keeping your champion? I think I'm sticking. What did I have? South Carolina, Louisville, Baylor, UConn. You had. Uh, uh, NC State, South Carolina, Louisville, UConn. Yeah. Mm, I I don't want to change it. I'm not going to change it. But Baylor might <laughs> give NC State a run for their money. That's. Well, it's funny. You and me talked about that before too about uh, NC State possibly dealing with Baylor. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean NC State. I think honestly, like looking out of all the brackets that are still left, like if Louisville makes it past Oregon, obviously they're going to have a hard game with Stanford. I honestly think. UConn is gonna you know what no I think UConn's gonna take care of Baylor but I think NC State really has the hardest route to go because NC State is the only team that plays in a region that literally has the one two three four seed yeah they're the only one they're the only one everyone else has like five six seeds yeah five every single every single other one has a five and a six seed. yeah so NC State is the only one where the top four seeds made it to the sweet 16 so they have I think the hard and Indiana's a good team and they're in the sweet 16 for the first time in school history like they're they're gonna want to win that game and then if NC State makes it out alive they either have to play a very good Arizona team or a very good Texas A&M team like I'm, I'm not changing my picks. I always stand by it. Like, my men's bracket is so, so busted. But, like, I want every Hold on. Everyone's men's bracket I, I is busted. I, I know everyone's is. But, of course, like, I my final four for my men's bracket was literally Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, and Bama. And Ohio State was my champion. And it was a game against Iowa for the final. Like, it was okay, shit. But was, was that biased, though? Like... Well, I thought it wasn't even biased because I thought Ohio State was, like, the best team it's been in years. But also... Like, I thought the Big Ten was a better conference than they were. And they just really <laughs> didn't show up. They just didn't show up straight up. Michigan's <laughs> still holding strong for the Big Ten, though, Haley. The only no. team left. <laughs> no, the only the only thing that brought me joy out of my bracket was that I correctly called that Ohio upset. Like, against um, who did they play? Yeah, them? you did. You had them. I forget who they played. Who did they, I play can't uh, they played Virginia in the first round. Yeah, there we go. I don't know what in my brain said, like, pick Ohio. but I was It was like, that Mac uh, thing that we had to do for class. You thought you were <laughs> taking Ohio State. That's why. Yeah. It was, like, it's funny. The one we had to do for class, I had to pick Kent State, which is funny because with the, like, combat or the pro days happening and whatever, somebody, like, tweeted this picture of Isaiah McCoy who's, like, the – wide receiver for Kent State and I was like I know this name because I had to make 30 goddamn <laughs> boards about this stupid football team Ugh. yeah I, f- I feel your pain Ohio is mine so oh, so you know you know all about oh yeah but back to basketball kind of to your guys' point before too I um I'm really excited that a lot of it is on tv and like you said if people put sports on tv people will watch them like what I'm about to say is meant with no malicious intent or hate but like they put curling on TV and I, I curled for three years. I was a first and a vice for two years. I curled for three years. I know curling. I enjoy watching curling, but it's like, you're telling me that you have these briars on all day and people are watching that, but they're not going to watch overtime basketball that ends in a buzzer beater. Like, come on now. Like if you put it on, and it was the same with the WNBA. It was like, people are like, Oh, I would, I like it, but I just never had access to watch it. And it's true as a casual fan, you're not going to go out of your way to go find these illegal streams and, you know, like YouTube TV only works in the States and stuff like that. Like even obviously for us, we're very passionate sports fans. 
I'll even go find, I remember one time, whatever it was, I was watching some bowl game like three years ago in my bedroom in Spanish because it was the only stream that was on. But I was like, I love college football so much. I'm going to watch the Spanish stream because it's all I can find. Yeah. Whereas other people are like, why in your right mind would you potentially get a virus on your computer? It's a Spanish stream. You can't understand anything. Why would you do this? Whereas if you just put basketball on TV and somebody flips it on and they're like, oh, this is a really good game I'm going to watch. And then they're going to do their research and then they're going to maybe pick a team and follow that team. And then that's what creates that engagement and that support. Like it's really not that hard of a formula, but it's like, you really are telling me that you would rather watch like two garbage round of 64 games where you know that Gonzaga is going to steamroll whatever team that they're playing versus a women's game. That's going to be super interesting. And like, like Kyle said, like it's the way TV works. It works with every sport. Like I know the first half of college football season, I'm not expecting to see any Ohio state games on TV because they're playing like Marshall and Tulane and Cincinnati. Like, I mean, maybe Cincinnati now they would put on TV. Hold on. Marshall had a good year last year, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like I know I'm not expecting to see those games because they know it's going to be like a 64 seven game and nobody's going to watch it. So it's not just women's sports in that sense, but you would think like, the biggest tournament in women's sports that they only they rarely televise women's games in general they'll maybe televise like a solid matchup between like texas and texas a&m maybe on like tsn4 like that's yeah, usually if, during if, the you're regular lucky. Season. if you're lucky yeah, if you're lucky that's what you're getting during the regular season so to have this high level of basketball for literally only three weeks and like really what else is happening like soccer's on the international break so like you're, you're not having any Premier League and the Canadian and the Canadian games aren't even being broadcast in Canada outside of one soccer. You have to have a subscription. So there's no competition there. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Like the NBA, like, yeah, there's still NBA games on, but I don't think literally anyone cares other than like the games after the trade deadline, maybe, but like March Madness only happens three weeks a year. This is when people are tuning in. The NBA is still going to be on for months after this hockey. Like I am so tired of the same, teams playing each other over and over and over and over like okay like i get it Bailey doesn't like the the pandemic divisions i get get it's a pandemic okay but like i swear to god i'm like i'm looking up it's like oh this is the 18th time the flames and the jets have met this season i'm like i wonder how it's gonna go like aren't you tired of seeing each other's faces i would be tired of seeing each other's faces like really but you know what i mean like there's not that much competition like they, they don't televise spring training so baseball is not even no you get the last six games or televised or something stupid like that so yeah. this week they're being televised and even yeah. then it's some kid's phone in left field that's getting the actual camera yeah there's two cameras one's behind the plate to get the home run yeah <laughs> and they yeah. never use it it's ridiculous and then football is not on like what maybe like people would want to watch the combine but this year it's like even like you put on a network and they're showing like BYU Pro Day. And I'm like, you're telling me that you would rather watch BYU Pro Day playing against air than watch women's basketball. Like, so everyone's like, Zach Wilson has an arm. I'm like, who's he throwing against? Great. I need five minutes of that to see that he can throw the ball. Like that's, you don't need an hour or two hours of Pro Day. Ridiculous. So yeah, just, I feel like it's a simple equation. You put women's sports on TV, people will watch them. Even the NWHL, like, I don't know the numbers from last night's games, but even when it was on Twitch, which like you have to find the stream on Twitch, obviously it's free and more easily accessible than having to go to like Reddit slash CFB streams and then click different like things to which one's actually going to give me a virus or which one I'm going to see like some titty pop out. But like, you know, it's, it's, 
people um over a million people watched it on twitch just because they were interested because yeah, i watched i know Kyle, you watch too yeah so it's just if you put women's sports on tv people will come it's not that hard if you make it so, accessible it doesn't even have to be on tv like twitch is a great place to start for some of these smaller leagues like the nwhl like, yeah or like do that <laughs> Uh, somebody, somebody gives me a, a, a subscription to the NWHL, so I got yeah. all the emotes too. So nice. Too, there were so many people like JT Brown and Steve Dangle gave out like 200 subscriptions between them, and a bunch of people were gifting subscriptions too. Like it was awesome because people who care about the game want other people to watch, and mm-hmm. that's the thing too. Like, no, no hate to you guys because I know you guys are the best, but men in general, a lot of the times, like I feel like really gatekeep sports, especially as a woman in sports. Like I get that all the time. Like I'm literally like, oh, I'm an Ohio State fan. And they're like, oh, bandwagon. I'm like, you say bandwagon, but then every time they lose, you're like, your team can't win anything. 2014, he was only seven years ago, but that's like a lifetime in college football. Like, okay, when was the last time your team <laughs> won a title? Tell me, what are you, what are you, a Notre Dame fan? It's not the 80s anymore, buddy. Like, Kyle. <laughs> so sorry didn't didn't even know i didn't, I, didn't I, I was fully expecting you to go michigan and just go right at me because you no. only do that but i mean even still you 1997 was a lot longer ago than 2014 i'm aware but, anyways, <laughs> but, but with women's sports like i have never once seen a women's sports fan be like oh you want to cheer for the toronto six name five players because they don't care because they just want to grow the game and let people watch it so like the fact that it's on TV. There's so many people who are willing to educate. Like, even during the WNBA season, the amount of people who are like, I want to cheer for a team, but don't know where to start. It's like, okay, well, if you like Oregon women's basketball, you got Satu Sabali, who plays for the Dallas Wings. You've got Sabrina Nescu. If you're a Texas A&M fan, Kennedy Carter plays for the Atlanta Dream. If you're a UConn fan, they have half the league, their alum, is in the WNBA. So you can pick pretty much any team. Somebody from UConn's probably playing there. Like, it's just a lot of informative educational watching which I really like and just like even seeing my timeline after that Texas A&M game I don't even remember what other sport was on but like nobody was watching that everyone was watching the Texas A&M game and like that made my heart so happy that like every single person was watching that game a because it was accessible and b because it was good basketball like that's the thing too like the thing about women like and people being like oh they need to lower the run they need to dunk when I'm watching a basketball game I'm not like there's a lack of dunks here like what's going on like I don't care. Yeah, it's cool when people dunk, but it's like, that's not what you watch basketball for. You're watching basketball for those buzzer beaters and to see like cool plays and people deking their defender. I don't like watch a game and I'm like, it's been five minutes. So there's no dunks. I'm changing the channel. Like what? Dunks are bonuses at, at this point in, in basketball. Like even in the, even in like the NBA, like I don't watch the game for dunks exactly that's what the all-star game's for because that's all they do they shoot threes and they do big dunks because there's no defense i don't give a crap in the regular season if you dunk the ball once if you win the game and you play good basketball who gives a crap i watch it for the fouls timeouts i I wait for the timeouts okay i watch for the fouls i watch to see how much the refs want to take over the game that's what i watch for you watch that in every sport though true it's true true. we can get into that for hockey if we want Mm. to later Well, I think that will do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and putters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> so close. 
Hey, I say Academy a lot, okay? It was down to Academy. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk a little bit more sports right after this. We are back, folks. Uh, we're going to get into something maybe not as fun as the women's tournament. Um, the Deshaun Watson saga that's going on right now is very, very hard to digest, very, very hard to watch and see how it's sort of playing out. Uh, it's been about two weeks now, and more and more cases keep coming out of possible sexual assault from the quarterback they're all allegations at this point everything's being reported we cannot confirm anything um, but it's up to 16 allegations in the in tow and 24 women have come forward so there's another eight that haven't actually filed suits with the lawyer um, one of them did I was reading that one of these 16 had tried to exploit money from Deshaun earlier in the year. So the legitimacy of them is also coming into question, but regardless, we have to take it as it is right now, as we're reading it, this is not good uh, for anyone, not necessarily involved, but just anyone in general, because this is not a good thing. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. What does this mean moving forward for Watson as from what we know right now? Um, from what we know right now, honestly, I don't know if I'm being quite honest. It's one of those right now with, with everything going on, it does not look good. Let's say that. Um, definitely looking at at least a suspension for now. <clears throat> but honestly, like once things are proven, I think it'll be a clearer picture. It's not great for Houston as well. Um, with everything that was going on before this happened, with them. I was going to say he wasn't going to play for them anyway. So no, but, but even then, like now, you know, I, I'll get away from the actual football part of it. But like as a trade part now, they're screwed. That's a whole different thing. But um, yeah, it's it's honestly he needs to stay away from massage parlors. Apparently, is really what he needs to do. Because well, the the crazy thing to me is that he was reaching out to these people via Instagram by himself like it wasn't his team setting anything up i'm i'm sorry if you're a professional athlete a you should have i know he had a massage therapist who couldn't do stuff for the last little bit because of some covid restriction or whatever fine i get that you should have a backup and a backup's backup that's already in place so you don't have to reach out randomly to people so as soon as i heard he was reaching out to people via instagram that's when my ears went Oh, that's not good. Something might be right here, right, Haley? Yeah. No, that's very bizarre. Like, also, as a professional athlete, I feel like you have a lot more resources to you than you would think that you don't have to reach out to people via Instagram. Like, I'm sure your team would set something up for you. And again, that might not be true, but if that is the case and that's how he set this up, like, you know right away something's not right. I mean, A, first of all, Houston has their own massage therapy team. 
Like, let's not forget that. The Texans have their own massage therapy team. So even if his personal one couldn't be used, you have all of these resources. What are you doing? Like, what are you yeah. doing? I, ju- I just don't get it. And now the fact that there's 24 women have come forward does not look good. No. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like a, a lot of people have a mentality where they're like, oh, like all these women just want money, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think they understand it's really hard for a lot of survivors of sexual assault to deal with the trauma and it's like strength in numbers so when somebody finally gets the courage to come forward it makes it easier for other people to because obviously we all see the stats we all know that like 90 percent 98 percent of women will experience sexual assault in their lifetime and like of those who do come forward like literally one percent of like rape cases actually get convicted which is disheartening numbers to say the least because if 98 percent of women have dealt with that in their lifetime and only one percent actually get some sort of penalty whether it be you know having to actually go to prison you know doing community service whatever like it's very disheartening and of course there are women who have lied about it and probably will continue to lie about it and it sucks because they're discrediting all the women who actually go through that like i pretty much every single one of my friends that i know have either been raped or had something happen to them in their lifetime which is so sad. So for these other women to like go that way and discredit the survivors is really sickening as well. But also if he did that, like, I don't, I don't think he deserves a second chance, but we all know that the NFL has been just absolutely despicable with the way that they handle things like this and domestic abuse and whatever. They're like, Oh, four games slap on the wrist. Like, don't do it again. Like you can beat your wife, but we need you for the Super Bowl. So just try not to do it again. Like it's I'm not expecting the NFL to do anything about it, but I'm hoping the Texans organization will. And it sucks too, because before all of this happened, like it, it doesn't suck that if he did that, he deserves to have whatever punishment comes to him. But just looking at it from a football perspective, which is also hard to do because nobody is just a football player. Like they're humans at the end of the day and the people he interacted with are also humans with jobs who are now gonna have to deal with trauma. But like everyone before was like free Deshaun, like the Texans suck, find him a way better team that he would fit in with. Drew Brees just retired, maybe send him to the Saints. Like there was a lot no, of- No, like- no, 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 no. D- D- Drew Brees has his replacement. Taysom Hill and uh, J- Jabu Winston will take care of the Saints. Crab legs Winston, yeah, no. <laughs> absolutely not but you know like a lot of people were kind of vouching for him before this being like he needs to go to the Texans like JJ Watt was like I'm leaving please like get out of there this is the worst but now it's like I don't feel bad for you like if you've done these things I don't feel bad for you you shouldn't have a football career in general but I hope no team is taking a chance on you because you suck the sad reality is somebody will it's, oh yeah somebody it, will of course and on, honestly because wins are more important than image apparently for well, honestly longer, so. he'll he'll get four or five games maybe you you look at you look at like ray rice right everything will happen to him he got two games yeah that was despicable like two games for that and then obviously with him they took a stance and said hey like you're not playing for us anymore like and no team really took a chance on him, so that's good in that aspect. But yeah, the the, I, the owners and stuff blackballed him. The league was like, ah, we'll, we'll give you two. Well, and that's what it's like. Honestly, the sad reality is he's a superstar quarterback, and somebody's going to give him a second shot. It's simple as that. And, and honestly, I don't know if it's going to come down to Houston having to having to cut him type thing with what's going on, or, or reduce trade depending on what goes on with this. Um, but but honestly, it, it, it's it's bad for everybody involved. It, it's bad for the look of football too, because it's like, well, here's another case uh, of another football player doing something else that 
should not be allowed to be be done. And it's just, it, it's honestly, it, it's a terrible situation. And there, there's really no winning in this situation because one end or the other, somebody's going to lose. Yeah. And you just hope like, I, at this point, because everything's allegations, everything's reports, I know that some of the suits have been filed, but nothing's been proven yet. I just hope the truth wins out. So mm-hmm. whether whether it is the truth that he did sexually assault these women or whether it is that they're just trying to get money, whichever side is the truth, I hope that's the side that wins. And it's not a 50-50 where half of them are true and half of them are false allegations. I want it whoever wherever side the truth actually does lie on needs to come out on top on this one because this is way too big of a of a situation way too many suits against the same person to have it go one to have it go the wrong way right Haley? yeah no i completely agree and it's like it makes me kind of angry when people are like well they're an athlete with lots of money they can get whoever they want because like as much as he is an idol and like an amazing basketball player like kobe it happened to kobe bryant and what did he do he like paid the woman off so like you doing that shows that like you did it just because you're an athlete and can get whoever you want doesn't mean that you're you will get anyone you want exactly and i feel like sometimes that's like an ego hit too and that's the thing like it's the psychology of it all like if you're this big athlete who is amazing and makes millions of dollars and a woman doesn't want you then you're like oh well i'm gonna make you want me which is like you know because obviously nobody wants to be rejected like that sucks so it's it's an awful <laughs> feeling but still you have to deal with it everyone does yeah so like i feel like it, it's not out of the cards for it to be like oh just because he has money it's happened because like obviously yeah there was some like there's that case with patrick kane a few years ago where it was that woman and everyone was like oh patrick kane's blah 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 and he's like i literally didn't do this and like it went to court and then everything got dropped and it's like you know i not that Patrick Caton should be who anyone is idolizing their life after, but you know. I mean, outside of that one thing, he's actually done pretty good for himself. Hasn't made too many mistakes. No, but that's what I'm saying. And like, he's a very good hockey player. I'm a Blackhawks fan, so truly, like, it, it, but you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, like he took, he took it to court and was like, all right, we'll fight this. Whereas, like, yeah. other people are just like, you know, like, take the money and, you yeah, know, they, they settle it outside of court. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if it gets settled outside of court, I think that's a big thing of saying like okay shut up and i'm just gonna pay you off whereas like if this actually goes to court and watson is like gonna fight it there might be a little more you know not that i'm vouching for him because especially with this many numbers like last time i can remember something with this kind of numbers was the larry nassar case and that man is a pedophile and disgusting and deserves to rot in jail Mm -hmm. so like i said a lot of women are just really afraid and that's why they don't want to come forward because they're never believed it won't happen it's a lot of emotional labor that has to go into because that happens for months you know you don't just file a thing and the next day you're in court like you have to deal with it for months people give you death threats like i'm sure the women who came forward people are like you're as if the texans didn't suck already but they're like you're ruining my season and my quarterback like okay your team did that to themselves you need to blame the texans front office for that one they were good with your quarterback it's not gonna help without him but you're gonna be much worse but just like you said like obviously i always vouch for the truth but i know being a woman how hard it is and that a lot of people find that comfort in you know somebody being strong enough to come forward and then somebody else will follow because they're like okay i'm not alone anymore and i might be actually believed now like Mm -hmm. you said i we don't know anything and like i obviously hope for the truth to come forward but if if it is true that he did it like i hope that the nfl actually takes action or at least the Texans do or whatever team is going to sign him because inevitably, like Kyle said, somebody probably will, unfortunately, but 
if that's the case, I hope it's handled well, because other than that, the NFL is basically just saying you can rape women and beat your wife and just be a garbage person. And, you know, you'll get a game or two, but you deflate those balls. It's four games. So. Yeah. That's the sad. That's the sad part is it's the same suspension for deflating footballs as it is for beating, beating your wife. Your wife. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I, I'm really hoping that everything works out the way it does. I'm really hoping that there isn't some fake cases in, involved in here that are going to diminish what actually happened to the. That's a big cases. concern. So yeah. To, to me, that that that's the biggest thing I'm worried about is truth coming out. Yes, but also having the people who truly were affected and, and ultimately basically scarred by this whole incident truly getting like the, the the positive return i guess on what they really want out of this whole lawsuit right like like they want the truth to come out and i don't want that truth to be swayed either way by some fake cases so like to me that's my biggest my biggest worry about this yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100 Haley, thank you for joining us to talk a little nc2a and obviously that the watson case was something that we wanted to talk with you about as well uh thank you for joining us as always great talking to you Thank you guys for having me. You know, I love coming on the pod. It's always a pleasure. And, you know, I'm, I'm always here to talk because we know I never stop talking. <laughs> and we always like listening to you talk. So <laughs> we'll have you back on soon. Uh, me and Kyle are going to take a quick break and we'll come back with a little uh, MLB season preview because the season starts next week. <laughs> so we'll be back right after this. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. All right, Kyle, we're back. And the MLB season is upon us. We've been waiting. We weren't sure it was going to start when it at the beginning of the season when we when they had the schedule come out originally. It is. Yep. So we're right around the corner, which means we got to give a preview here. We got to go through each division one by one and give our thoughts. We've sort of already done the AL East mm-hmm. because we've done the Jays season preview. So let's start there. Who is your champion coming out of the AL East quickly and why? Uh, I, I think it's the Yankees. I, I think they are ideally the, the, the most complete team in that division. Um, as much as I would like to say the Jays are going to win, uh, my still biggest question mark is, is the pitching. Yes, it looked great in spring training, but how does it hold up in a regular season? Um, especially with potentially some injuries later in the spring training, like looming. Like, yes, it, it doesn't have a real big factor into it, but... <laughs> I mean, the Kirby Yates one might. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, I would say Yankees sneaky pick would be the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, they lost a lot of pieces in the offseason, but realistically, that entire pitching staff is still there. Except for Snell. Other, other than Snell. Um, and he really didn't pitch in the regular season very much last year, anyways. So um I, I, I like the Yankees, but sneaky Rays and Jays. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Yankees are the best. I do think the Jays have made enough moves to move into that second spot ahead of the Rays. I think both of them will fight for wild card spots, though. I think they're both good enough to fight for wild card spots. Whether they both get one is a whole other issue, but they will both fight for wild card spots. Yep. Um, let's move to the AL Central now. 
Minnesota, Cleveland, Chicago, White Sox, Kansas City, Detroit, Chicago, obviously losing Ila Jimenez is a huge blow because he was great last year. Um, who do you have coming out of this division? Uh, I have the White Sox. I, I think they've, they've taken enough step forward and they've done enough to their team um, that they can kind of replace Jimenez. I, I think that, and if not, they look in the outside trade. They, you look at maybe the Jays, like Jays have ex, you know, outfielders to burn, right? Maybe they, they swing a trade that way. Um, I do think the Twins are going to keep it close. Um, but honestly, to me, this is a two-horse race. It's between the Twins and the White Sox. And uh, I personally like the, the White Sox youth and uh, the veteran leadership they've in, uh, injected into that lineup. No, I agree with you 100%. I, I love the top five in their um, in their lineup. You have Tim Anderson leadoff, Grandal, Abreu, Moncada, and Robert at the top of your lineup. That's a very good top five. The bottom four need a little bit of work, in my opinion. They're not the worst, don't get me wrong, but there's there's some question marks when you have Adam Eaton, Andrew Vaughn as your DH, Lurie Garcia, and Nick Madrigal as the bottom four. Again, not the worst bottom four in the league, but... Yeah. There's some there's some room for improvement, but the pitching staff of the White Sox is what I like. They got Giolito, Keuchel, Lynn, Cease, and Rodon as their top five starters right now, and they got Liam Hendricks closing games. Like mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy and he can be that closer that people expect him to be, yep. that's a very good lineup, very good rotation, and a good back end of the bullpen. So that, ro- that rotation was good before they added Lance Lynn in the offseason. So, no, I know. I agree. That's what I'm saying. They got better. I mean, they 100%. pushed Kopech to the bullpen, yeah, who was well, supposed to be the fifth starter. He's a holder for issue. What? I said he can't stay healthy. He's a holder for issue. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said he's old. I was like, no, no, he's, I said he's, he's like 25. He's, <laughs> he's a holder for issue. He should be a starter, but can't stay healthy. So, yeah. But he was going to be the fifth starter if they didn't sign a starter. Like, that was the plan. Right. He's, the Aaron, he's the Aaron Sanchez of the White Sox. Yeah. All, all, the, hype, all the hype in the world. And we'll see if he can be a starter. Pretty much. Yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> um, let's move on to the AL West, man. And this I think this division is probably going to be the most interesting division in the American League. But I do think there's a clear number one team. I don't know hey, about you, but I, I like Houston, the I like it's not even close. I like Oakland actually. I think Oakland is a is a more complete team. Houston has some holes in my opinion. But go ahead, why is I, it I, I don't I don't I don't know if I can trust Oakland yet, purely because they're gonna be relying on two rookies and based on the top three of the rotation. Um to to me, Oakland's rotation is not something that you can kind of compare. And as long as Houston still has Verlander at the top, obviously he's coming back from an injury, so we'll see what actually happens with that. Um He's not going. He's not going to be available till like August September. Is that when he's actually coming back? He had Tommy John surgery in uh, September of last year. Right, man. So, so he's not. He's not going to be back till the end of the season. Yeah, I, I still. I still don't. I can never trust Oakland. Uh, honestly, like it's as simple as that. It's. It, I don't. I don't know what it is. It's just. It's just one of those. I That's just, a personal thing, then, right? <laughs> yeah, like it, well, it's one of those. Realistically, I just, I just can't trust them. And I think that's why I kind of trust Houston a little bit more. Yes, they lost uh, Springer and, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, they got a great deal with McCullers. Uh, Correa seems to be pissed off and, and seems to be wanting to uh, get a big contract. So he's going to probably have a hell of a year. So 
to me, um, Houston is the number one in that division for me. And I get what you're saying 100%. There's just some question marks in that outfield now after losing Springer, after losing um, – who was their right fielder last year? Reddick. Reddick, yeah. After losing those guys, they now have Kyle Tucker, who we've seen – he was a top prospect but has not really panned out. And Miles Straw, who I've honestly I, – I watch a lot of baseball. I've never heard of this guy. And on the on the bench you have Aledmus Diaz, who's an infield outfielder, and Chase McCormick as outfield po- possibilities. Like to me, that's a huge question mark, especially in a ballpark as big as the Houston Astros' right and center field is. You need guys who are defensively sound and can get around the field. I don't know if any of these guys are the answer in Houston for the outfield. Mm-hmm. And the the pitching staff, like, yes, Granky's fine. I'm I have no problem with him. McCullers is like 85% of the time very good, 15% of the time he's awful. So mm-hmm. as long as you get the 15% maybe early in the season and he gets hot at the end, you're fine. But then they have three guys who are unproven in Christian Javier, Jose Urquida, and Brandon Bialik. Bialik? I, I don't know how to say his name. I've never actually yeah. heard of him either. I know he's a, he's a top prospect, so I'll give him credit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect from them. I just don't have the faith in that. And then you go to Oakland and I just don't see the same kind of holes. Like Tony Kemp is a question mark at second, just because he, I don't know what to expect from him year to year. He could be very good. I have no problems with him being there. The outfield of Piscotti, uh, Loriano and Kana, I like a lot. And the rest of the infield is solid. Like the biggest question mark for Oakland is the catching with Sean Murphy. And even that, I'm not too concerned because he's a defensive catcher who can actually, who has some pop. So that's fine. You're right. The pitching staff is a question mark, hundred percent. But from what we've seen, it's about as good as the Houston one. So that's why I'm leaning more Oakland in this right now, as we go into the season, I have Oakland winning the division and I think Houston second. And then I don't know what to expect from the other three teams. I hope LA is better just for Mike Trout's sake. But other than that, I don't know what to expect from the rest of this division. Yeah, it's honestly, I, I think this division is the biggest crapshoot you can possibly have. Yeah, I 100% agree. So it, it will be interesting to see how they kind of play out. Let's go to the division that had a lot of movement, player movement, and bringing in players in the NL East. Mm-hmm. Man, this is going to be a fun division, I think. You got Atlanta, the reigning division champions. You got Miami, who's the young team who's ready to take another step forward after last season, making the wild card. You got Philly, who is supposed to be good every year and just hasn't really found it yet, but they added a few pieces. You got the Mets, who spent $100,000 million. (laughs) It felt like they spent all the money in the world. And then Washington, who is Washington. We still have Strasburg and Scherzer, so you can have- exactly. So you can't, you can't really, can't really rule them out either if they get hot. Who do you have winning this one? Uh, I have the Mets. I, I think with the uh, offseason additions that they added, um, as well as the rotation rounding into being healthy, Cindergard is going to start the year on the on the IL, I think, but should be back earlier in the season. Um, 
I think I think honestly, if they were to add Trevor Bauer, I'd have them as potentially World Series uh, uh, looking that way. But wow. obviously, they missed out on that. But I still I still think they win the division. I think the Braves really didn't do a whole lot to get better. They kind of just said, "Yeah, we won last year. We'll just keep as is." So I mean, uh, they didn't really have to. They had a pretty young roster last year, so all those players are still going to get better. 100%. But I still think there's always room for improvement, right? Of course. No, nobody really considers the Braves as World Series favorites by any means. No. So, so I don't I think, think so. They, I think they kind of missed the ball on that where, they, as, they, as you said, they have a young roster. Usually that means the contracts aren't necessarily up, which means they have a little bit more money to spend currently until the contracts come up. And they really didn't. Most of their guys, they've already signed to their their second deals. But and honestly, a lot of the times that you should try and bolster a lineup. That that if you win the division, you try you should always try and get better. And I don't think they did. So I have the Mets winning the division on this one. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. The biggest question mark for the Braves for me is the health of that pitching staff because right now you have Soroka and Tucson both are injured. Who those were two of your top what three last year the way they were pitching i'm not actually saying that they were but they it felt like that because they looked good um they added charlie morton they added drew smiley in the offseason as free agents um right now it looks like they're going with a four-man rotation to start the year with tomlin and newcomb in the bullpen as long relief guys who could probably do spot starts until uh soroka and tucson or tucson come back healthy i think it wasn't tucson in the bullpen last year he was, but he is a starter. Like, he's supposed to be a starter. Right. He's, it was his first year, so they put him in the bullpen. I think they want him to be a starter. And I think if he comes back first, he gets that fifth starting spot until Soroka comes back, and then they have to make a decision on where people end up. Yeah. But as of right now, it looks like they're going four-man. I mean, the back end of that bullpen is good. Will Smith, Chris Martin, A.J. Minter, and Tyler Matzik. That's a good back of the bullpen. They just need to get to that point right now. And if they can, I think they'll be fine. The Mets, though, look great. You're right. I I, I love what the Mets did in the offseason. I think they've, they've filled some holes. I'm not sold on uh, catching partnership of James McCann and Thomas Nito. Yep. It's really the, that's the question mark for me. Other than that, I think they've really filled in holes. So it's going to be interesting. But that rotation – is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That rotation is going to be what separates the Mets in this division. So I agree with you. I think Mets are number one, Braves are number two in the in the playoffs as well. Uh, let's move to the Central, and we talked about the crapshoot that is the AL West. Could you just roll a dice at this point and try to figure out who's going to win the Central? Because I have no guesses at this point. Cardinals hand down, hands down. But I have no, I, I don't trust the Cardinals in the regular season because they never play well in the regular season. They sneak into the playoffs and then they do stuff. I have no faith in any team in this division to do anything this year. I think the Cardinals, you're right, have the best chance, but not by much. I The only reason why I say that is purely because of the Arenado trade. And I think Arenado is going to go off this year, right? When you have Arenado on the one corner and Goldschmidt on the other, you should do well. Um, to me, I think obviously getting Hicks healthy, getting Reyes healthy will definitely go a long way for them. Um, obviously it, Miles Mikolas getting healthy as well would help too. To me, yes, there's question marks about their rotation, I would say for the, for St. Louis, 
but I think they have the best lineup in that division and it's not even close. Um, I, I don't trust the Brewers and that, that's my biggest thing for me is Yelich is coming off a year where he was literally awful. one of the worst hitters in baseball. Awful. He was awful. Um, and, and honestly, other than Josh, uh, other than Josh Hader, don't know a whole lot about that whole bullpen. I know they had the rookie last year who who did well in the bullpen. But Devin Williams, he looks yeah. he's he's looked really good in the spring training too. I think he'll be fine. But the biggest thing for me is rotation for them. I don't know. Right. So so to Brandon, me, their their rotation right now is Woodruff, Burns, Hauser, Anderson, and Peralta. Yeah. So St. Louis Cardinals win the division. I do think the Brewers are second though. Yeah, I I think Cincinnati could surprise teams. Um, they have they have some good pitching, especially in the bullpen. Um, their lineup is not the worst in the division for sure. I think they're they're a mid they're a mid lineup in the division with Winker, Castellano, Votto, Suarez, Mustakis, Sensel, Barnhart, and Jonathan India. Who that's the one name that I've never actually heard of at second base. But if that's the only one that you haven't really heard of, that's still not a bad lineup. I think they have the potential to be good. They just need everything to go right. Like if one person gets hurt, they're in trouble, whether it be a pitcher or a player. If one player gets hurt, they're in trouble. Biggest thing for me is they didn't succeed as, as much as they should have with Bauer as a pitching. And now they didn't replace him. Um, As well as trading Iglesias, who was your closer last year to me is a little, if I mean, they can. have Garrett, right? Yeah, but we'll see if Garrett can actually step up and actually be a closer. Like he, he's kind of like the the leverage guy. We'll see if he, you know being a closer is a little bit different of a story. Yeah, they we'll did see. add Sean Doolittle though, so they do have a little bit of coverage if they need a closer for a few weeks. If Garrett's struggling, which I'm not saying Doolittle's a closer, like the answer to being a closer, mm-hmm. but it's nice to have him there as a backup. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, but yeah, I, I will. I'll agree with you. St. Louis is probably the best team in the division, but I think it's closer than you think mm-hmm. just because I don't, I don't trust St. Louis. This is my bias, I guess. And it's not even a bias. Cause I like St. Louis. I just don't yeah. trust them in the regular season. Okay. Um, last one, man, NL West. This is a two horse race. And this might be the biggest gap between two and three in any division in MLB. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the Padres and the Dodgers are so far ahead of San Fran, Colorado, and Arizona. It's not even funny. And the sad thing is the Giants are probably going to end up third. You can, Again, I think this is, a, this is a roll of the dice. Pick a team to finish third at this point in this I division. But, yeah. Not the Rockies. That's pretty much it. Who knows? The, the Rockies, Rockies are dead last. I, I, you would think going into the season, but the Rockies have done stupider things with less players and finished higher in, in the division than they should have in many years. So I, I don't trust this division at all to go the way it's supposed to with the bottom three. Quite honestly, I don't know who to pick for to winning this division. I really don't. It's, oh, I, I, I take the Dodgers just because they're proven. Yeah, like I, I win the division. That, I'm not necessarily say saying win too. the NL. I would say it too, but like I love everything the Padres did in the offseason. I love Me too. It. And and to me, I would love to see them as number one, but I think I have to lean Dodgers on this one. Um, but honestly, it would not surprise me whatsoever if the Padres win the division. No. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that the 
Dodgers have some injured pitchers. They have some injured players that will come into play at some point in the season, most likely, right? Like Lamette will probably come into play at some point in the season. He's dealing with elbow soreness now. Sorry, elbow discomfort as of September last year. He's still technically listed on the injury list. He hasn't undergone Tommy John surgery, though. So that does not rule him out for the season. Mike Clevenger's done for the year. We know that. Right. He's not He's not playing this year. Yeah. But you also have Austin Nola, who's their, probably their number one catcher, mm-hmm. you would think. Um, right now they have Caratini in, in that catching spot with Luis Campusano as the backup. I would assume Austin Nola will slide into that role once he's back healthy, which just makes him that much more dangerous. I love the pitching staff if they pitch the way they're supposed to. You Darvish is an up-and-down pitcher. He's either fantastic or non-existent. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell can be very good if he's if he's on his game and he's focused. He can also be – I mean, he got – brutalized in the AL East because the AL East is a pitcher's division or a hitter's division. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Then you got Joe Musgrove's paddock and then Moreon as your bottom three right now, which is good. The bullpen is disgusting. We're not even going to get into that. We know that their bullpen's great. Yeah. I just agree with you that I think the Dodgers track record gives them the inside for this division right now. If we're going into the season, we're looking at it. The Dodgers are the number one team in the division. So now that we've given our division winners, it's time for your league winner going to the World Series and your World Series champ, my friend. Um, I want to switch it up. Okay. I, I don't want the same team. There. I'm going to go Padres White Sox World Series. I like Every, it. Everybody's saying Dodgers Yankees and Dodgers Rays or whatever it may be. I want to go Padres, White Sox, see how that goes. I think it's going to go six games. I got Padres winning in six. I have the Padres going out of the NL anyway, just because I think the Dodgers are going to get tired. I don't know why I have that feeling this year. I just feel like they're going to get tired. And you know what? I'm going Jays. I think think if you give the Jays a a short series against a couple teams, they're going to come out on top. The hitting will, will do what it's supposed to do. Uh, the pitching will give just enough to get through, especially because you don't have to go to that fifth starter in the rotation in the playoffs. You, you can really narrow it down to your top three, top four pitchers and just just absolutely run through it. So, yeah, I'll write it down. Let's go. Padres, Jays in the World Series. Padres take it in six. Nice. I like it. Very out there picks. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I just don't like conforming to the norms, you know? What are the norms? Why why do we have norms? Very true. All right, man. It's time to get into the tire fires of the week. And I'm just looking it up. Make sure I got this right. Yeah. uh, Irfan won. No, it was you, right? No, you're... Who was Swaggy P last week? That was Irfan, right? That was Irfan, yeah. Yeah, so Swaggy P making his ridiculous comments about the women's NC2A tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're our tire fire of the week, Swaggy again, and it's going up against three more because Irfan, despite the fact that he's not here, has sent in his tire fire of the week. Uh, I'm going to start with his. If that's okay mm-hmm. with you, Kyle. We'll Absolutely. get his out of the way. 
And it's the Rasmus Anderson situation after Calgary Flames lost to Ottawa. And it was, I think it was uh, Philip Gustafson's first NHL win, the goalie for Ottawa. He first started, gets his first win. Good for him. And Rasmus Anderson, the defender for Calgary, decides, yeah, I'm taking the puck. How petty do you need to be to do that to a rookie goaltender who just beat you? That is that is like otherworldly petty. 100%. And what happened after? So the Matthew, or Brady Kachuk went to go get the puck from him. He's like, no, I'm keeping it. No, I'm keeping it. No, I'm keeping it. No, you're not. The ref said, no, drop the puck. Drop the puck. It took him a while. He finally drops the puck. Even better than Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Takes it and shoots it up the ice. <laughs> I think that was more of a shot at his brother, though. Like that wasn't sure. that wasn't Matthew being petty. That was him seeing that it was his brother trying to get the puck. Hundred percent. Oh man, Anderson, you can't be doing that. That's petty on a whole nother level. You gotta smarten your smarten your ass up. And uh, two minutes, you can't do that. That's a four. That's a double minor. Sure. Um, so that's that is Irfan's tire fire of the week. Uh, Kyle, do you want to go next, or you want me to put mine out there? Uh, I'll go just so you don't steal mine potentially. Um, I already Peel. told you what mine was. No, no, Tim Peel. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Two minutes. It, you can't do that. <laughs> like if, if you haven't if you haven't seen it already, he got hot hot mic. Just basically saying he's going to make a call just for basically God knows what reason and just wants to get a call against the Nashville Predators. Um, and was subsequently uh, removed from games for the rest of the year. You know, for him, he was retiring at the end of the year anyways, but it's one of those, like, now the whole legitimacy of all NHL referees has come into question is really what it comes down to. And it's and it's those, gotten like, even worse. Did you see the ref in the game uh, this week covering up his mic while explaining to the Leafs about a missed call? Yeah. And honestly, you'll probably see that much more often because, like, I the integrity of the game is called into question huge right now. And it's it's honestly, it's not even just the NHL. It's it's you could honestly argue it's officiating across sports really yeah it's a lot like the nhl was kind of in this interesting little bubble for the longest time because when fans were in the stands you could like players could barely hear the refs right so they weren't they weren't calling this kind of stuff out now that there's no one in the stands and everyone can hear each other and the broadcast can hear what what's being said yeah the nhl is in this whole new world where they are getting caught on a lot of stuff that's being said and it's 100%. right. It should be caught. It should not be that way. And you and me talked about this Tim Peel situation. Like, this is a mess. A ref cannot go into a game or have an issue in a game where he's like, yeah, I got to get these guys back because they did this to me. Yeah. You can't be doing that. You cannot yeah, be doing that. It can't be the mentality. No. And so. he's been removed from games. He will still be employed by the union because they can't get rid of him that easily. So It's a union. <laughs> so you know he's going to be observing current referees and giving feedback because up until this point, Tim Peel was one of the most respected uh, refs in the game. Mm -hmm. He's one of the few refs that I knew the guy's name. And that's usually, that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. In this case, it was a good thing up until this point. Yeah. So he will be up in the stands doing that kind of stuff, but you can't do that. It's another two minute penalty. And instead of two minutes, it's two months. 
Exactly. Uh, I was listening though to a sports talk show uh, this week, and they were saying the worst part about this for Tim Peel is that a lot of refs get like sort of a, a tunnel of honor. Like you see that the, the uh, champions in European mm-hmm. soccer, right? They get the yeah. they get the guard of honor when when they win the championship. Usually, refs sort of get that from players in their last game. Yeah, they get their swan song. They get their swan song, right? Yeah. And it's not it's not necessarily televised all the time, so people don't people aren't always aware of it. But the refs get their swan song. Yeah. He doesn't get one now. No. After being in the league for so long, that's got to hurt for him, knowing he was that close, and then he did this, and and he got caught. I mean, like I, I'm sure it hurts too, but at, at the same point, I think he hopes he realizes they can't justify it giving no. him one now based no on no no not at all because honestly now his entire career is going to be under scrutiny and under a microscope on, on truly what he what he was as an official yeah. and and that's unfortunate because of one incident two months before he's supposed to retire and now his entire career is like well we'll we'll look into him as, a, as an official so yeah it's it's yeah. it's unfortunate if this was a isolated case if it wasn't then i'm glad they caught it Right, we don't know what happened before, and and who knows? That's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's a good tire fire, Kyle. I'll give you that. That might that might beat me out, but um, I don't know if you saw this, and we will post the video where we can. A runner in a track meet in Madrid. It was like a hundred meter race, so they were using the inside of the track. Mm -hmm. He won the race, and as he's going up to the track portion of the actual track because they were on the inside, the infield sort of thing. And then he got off the track on the infield, hit a little grass, and then got onto the track. He slips and falls and goes through the end stands, goes under the stands. Because they didn't have the, they didn't have it covered. And Kyle, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it, because I did send it to you, right? Yeah, yeah. That was scary, first of all. Like 100%. this wouldn't have been a tire fire if for the if the guy was not okay. He walked away. I think he actually ran in another race <laughs> after this. But surprising. Well, he was fine. He walked away from it fine. Yeah. He managed to miss every single metal beam <laughs> going down there. Which is incredible. That's <clears throat> insane too. Huh? You've seen the video. It is incredible. Yeah. But man, like how do you not cover that? Like there needs to be padding on that wall that goes all the way to the ground for this specific reason. Mm-hmm. Like every other indoor track meet I've seen, because the indoor track meets is a lot shorter track, so they don't have as much time to decelerate. They put gotcha. these giant pads on the wall. Why was cool. that not there? Like <clears throat> also, they're easily they're... removed so you can move it if there's a race that needs to use the outside of the track. But, there's no but race using it when you're there. It's the incline for me, like at the end of the track, where it's literally going uphill. And of course, he's going to eat shit. Like, I'm if surprised you take more one, of them didn't, honestly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you take one misstep going uphill and gone. Good night. Take a seat. Like, it, it's, it's, a, yeah, I don't know. I don't but know there's such an easy fix. Put a freaking pad there yeah. all the way to the ground. Like, honestly. It looks sick on his part because he just slides right through there. Like, and he walks away. Yeah. He walks away. <laughs> that's that's insane. So. so my tire fire is the, the organizers, I guess. It's not actually him. It's the organizers who couldn't put a pad down to protect their runners because mm-hmm. that could have ended horribly. 
Absolutely. Horribly. Um, so those are the four tire fires. Make sure you vote on Twitter. Uh, we'll have those up for you later today. Um, Kyle, time to round out positive thought or I guess final thought doesn't necessarily have to be positive. Usually ends up being positive, but what's your final thought for the week? Uh, college basketball is back. Yeah, I took a little, uh, almost a week break for, uh, the men's March madness and it's back again. So, um, I'm excited for that to happen. Excited to see what happens with the actual, uh, my men's bracket and my women's bracket and see what happens with both of those. You have more play- teams left in the women's bracket. Can we give, okay, we got to give credit before we go any further. We must give credit to Irfan for picking Loyola Chicago to go to the final four because they just beat Illinois and now they have a pretty clear straight. <laughs> they are actually, I'm pretty sure they're the favorite in that uh, bracket now. Because they, they play Oregon State this round and then whoever wins the next round, I, I can't remember. They might be, one of the teams might be lower seed than them but, or a higher seed than them. But oh, Honestly, Good for him, but he still took LSU. So yeah, he took LSU. <laughs> I said give him some credit. I didn't say all the credit. True. Yeah. No, you're right. College basketball back and the women's bracket. Don't forget the women's. It's gonna be fun. Same women's. I know. Okay. We were talking men's. I'm just making sure we mentioned the women's no, 100%, again. 100%. And all honestly, right. th- thanks for Haley for coming on too. So. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, always happy to have her on. Mm. Um, for me. Buddy, the NBA trade deadline's passed, which means all we got to focus on for the next three weeks is whether or not NHL teams are going to make trades. Because that's that's a few weeks away now. Mm-hmm. Are they going to make trades, Kyle? We don't know. Will they Will they do some cross-border t- trades because of the uh, change in quarantine rules in Canada? We don't know. Well, I'm telling you right now, the deadline is going to be next week, not two weeks away. For Canadian teams, I think the deadline is next week. I think yeah, there will no, be some. No, for I, sure, I think there'll sure. be some American trades. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. But I, I think next week is going to be the real week, week week to watch out for trades. Because well, that's what that's what I said on twenty minutes on ice last week because they hadn't changed the quarantine rules, so it was still mm-hmm. two weeks. So I said, don't be surprised if Canadian teams make trades this week, the one that just passed. Well, that doesn't really matter anymore. So <laughs> we get it. We get an extra week. So add another week to my prediction from twenty minutes on ice. I still don't see them making trades. I don't. Yeah. I don't see it happening this year. I think it is going to be one of the quietest trade deadlines. I feel really bad for the people who have to cover it for 12 hours on the day that it is because there's going to be nothing to talk about. There might be three trades. Like I'm predicting f- less than 10 trades total yeah. on trade deadline, which is ridiculous. It's crazy, but it honestly would not surprise me. <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And it's funny because the NBA had the busiest trade deadline it's had in 15 years yesterday, and this week. And still could have had probably two or three more deals. Oh, at least. There was like eight more being talked about. And they ended up with 16 trades with 45 players moving, I believe was the number. I'm not 100% sure on the players moving. I know there were 16 trades, though. Yeah. Which is great. Like That's the kind of entertainment you want, which isn't normal for the NBA trade deadline. I was working my internship that day. That was stressful as hell. Mm-hmm. Is Lowry going? Is Norm going? Well, Norm went. Yeah. Lowry's still here. By the way, why are people so upset about that? That he stayed? Because I, I said this on one of the Instagram things. It's Matt Sundin all over again. 
but he, he but he said that he wants to finish his career in Toronto, whether it be no, no, just let me finish this, whether it be playing out the whole career or he comes back and signs a one day. Yeah. Right. Sundin never said that necessarily. No, but, but Sun, the only difference between Sundin and Sundin didn't waive his no trade clause to get something for the, right. for the team. To me, not trading Lowry is a disappointment to the Raptors. And I think that, I think it depends I, on I, what the packages were. I don't, th- I don't think, honestly, I don't give a shit what the packages were. But if it doesn't help the team, then it's not worth trading him. But he's, I think he offers more because, as a leader. But leadership doesn't mean shit when you're going to finish outside the playoffs. But it does mean for the future because his leadership, the leadership I'm talking about isn't necessarily court leadership. It's his ability to help the younger players on this team. The OGs, the Freds, take that next step because he knows them the best. You're not going to bring in a veteran player who knows this team as well as Lowry does. And he can offer stuff that guys that you bring in just can't offer. And that's what I mean. So if if the package that was being offered to the Raptors for Lowry wasn't equivalent to the value that they thought he could bring as that kind of mentor for these young players, then I don't think it's a failure. I don't think it's great. I'm not saying it's a perfect situation regardless. But if the package wasn't what they needed for the value, then I have no problem with them not making the move. It sucks if we don't get anything for Lowry and he walks at the end of the year. Yes, obviously that sucks. Well, he's gone. He's not resigning. Well, there's no guarantee either way that he's going to resign or not resign. We don't know that yet. I'm saying well, as of I, right now. I'm telling you right now, he will not resign purely based on where the team is. I think he'll eventually resign and retire as a Raptor. Sure. But I think he's going to Miami next year anyways. But that's beside the fact. I, I just think I think it was a huge miss on getting value for something that they have as a positive, right? Because essentially, he was a rental. He is a rental. And it's one of those with, with not trading him, there's, there's a value there that you miss because, because the value he's bringing to the team for the rest of the season doesn't really make a difference if he leaves in the off season. Also, they're not making, they're not going to make the playoffs most likely. So the value that he I, gets, I wouldn't say that that East division or that Eastern conference is a crapshoot at the bottom right now. They're terrible. They're not I'm not denying that fact. I just don't trust a whole lot of teams in that Eastern Conference from seven to f- thirteen right now. I trust every single one of the teams above them more than I do the Raptors. Okay. Like, like Pete, Pacers, Heat, Celtics, and even the Bulls, I would put in there before them. So okay. Um, just, but to me, it's just value missed because if he walks in the offseason, you get nothing for him, and you could have at least got a first round pick plus a prospect for him. I get what you're saying. Which could have helped you in the future. I get what you're saying. I just just think like if the package wasn't that though, like if they didn't get that as a package, then maybe they made the right decision. We don't know what the packages were. There were rumors, but rumors mean nothing. No offense. No, hundred percent. But at the same point, honestly, it doesn't matter what the packages were. You got to get something rather than nothing. Fair. All right, well, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Kyle Vardy, at Nick McVicker, if you're looking for us individually. If you're looking for the show and the network, it's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for all of our shows, check out the website, garagedoorsports.com, where you can catch all of the shows, all of the articles that you could ever possibly want. Well, we might need more of those, but you know, all the shows you could possibly want are all there. Um, 
Make sure you like, follow us on YouTube, subscribe, hit that little notification, the bell, let you know when new new content comes out. Always good. And uh, for Kyle Vardy, for Irfan Manji, and for our guest, Haley McGoldrick, thank you for watching. We will see you next time.